Hello, it's Paul Scott here with my usual weekly podcast, uh, Small Caps Commentator. And for people who don't know me, I write the Small Cap Valley reports on Stockopedia. I've been doing that for 10 years now, a subscription website, probably the best investor community on the web, I think. And uh, some great data tools and so on, plus the um, Small Caps commentary that a lot of people like. But um, I've been a professional investor now for 20 years, for people who don't know me, an investor and commentator. Prior to that, I was uh, a CFO for a private um, ladies' wear retailer, and I semi-completed the chartered accountancy uh, course. I flunked my finals, so I always do things slightly differently. I want to add as well, I'm not setting myself out to be some sort of shares guru, So, and we're not tipsters, so please don't blindly follow anything we say and we're not giving advice or uh, recommendations i just love doing the analysis and the commentary and we do unearth some gems but it's for you to 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 take our best ideas and and do your own research on them that's what it's all about obviously we win we win some and we lose some in terms of my own portfolio performance it's feast or famine really again i'm not saying i'm the best investor by any means i'm not really very good at handling money um but i've made a really good living from this for over 20 years and i'm in an okay overall position but i'm certainly not the best investor out there so again uh portfolio management and that sort of thing isn't my forte if i'm honest but i love the commentary and for me looking at individual companies and looking at the markets generally and the economy it's like trying to do a puzzle fitting together all the all the different information trying to work out what might happen then realizing something's changed and you've got to change your view i just love it i'm absolutely immersed in 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 small caps and it's it's really my one of my big passions in life so i hope that's an honest appraisal of of who i am and people seem to like listening to my commentary so as long as there's a a decent audience i'll keep doing it Obviously, an absolutely cha- another absolutely chaotic week this week. With uh, we've now had we've lost another chancellor. Poor old Quasi Kwarteng uh, had to walk the plank. That's now the fourth chancellor in four months. I think somebody on Twitter said. And uh, I'm not really going to going to do much on the politics because you've probably, like I have, had an absolute gutful of it. And I, I I normally like sitting down to watch Question Time with a bottle of wine, but I couldn't face it this week. After about five minutes, I just turned the damn thing off. So let's forget about the politics and talk about some interesting small caps. Because although I'm incredibly nervous about the macro picture, because I think basically central banks are making a diabolical mess of things, um, and we're, you know, it looks like we could be heading in for a, a real, really severe economic downturn and uh, even another financial crisis. I think you can't have uh, huge sectors like the whole bond market, the whole shares market, plus property, plus cryptocurrencies, all simultaneously collapsing in price about 30 or 40, well, at least 30 percent, some of them much more. Uh, you can't have that happen without there being major ramifications. So somewhere in the system, I think there's got to be some pretty serious bad debts, people in crisis, organisations in crisis because of gearing and derivatives. To me, this feels just like 2007, 2008. All, all over again, building up. Will they be able to nip it in the bud? I hope so. So I'm very, very worried about the macro position now, mainly, as I say, because of actual policy, policy errors that I think the Fed, the Bank of England and uh, governments are, are, are making. That's that's what I'm really, really worried about now. Um, but in terms of individual companies, there's bargains galore. So I'm super bullish on uh, the smalls cap space if we can look through this current 
uh, period of macro difficulty. I hope that's not contradictory, but I did want to come back on one of the readers who said, oh, God, if Paul's turning bearish, then we must be at the market bottom. It's not that simple. I'm super bullish on individual shares and valuations in my small cap space. Uh, it's, it's, it's looking incredibly attractive. Uh, every day we find shares that you can look at them and say that will easily double um, once this current crisis is out of the way and the economy is growing again. And we're finding lots of them every day. So mega bullish on small caps, but horribly bearish on the macro overview, I'm afraid. So that uh, sets the scene, I think. Right, I'll do a bit more macro commentary at the end if there's time, but um, that sums up my current view, really. Looking at the individual companies, then, in the small cap value reports, uh, Monday I looked at Hollywood Bowl, ticker B-O-W-L. Now, this looks really, really good. It's a positive trading update, ahead of expectations. I think they're the UK's largest operator of 10-pin bowling alleys. And... These companies uh, are doing very, very well at the moment. The whole sector is, and not just in the UK, also overseas, I believe, in America and Canada and so on. Um, So they're having a bit of a boom at the moment. The big question is, will that boom last? That's really the single issue over how we need to view this share. But as things stand currently, it's trading ahead of expectations. It's got a a lovely balance sheet with uh, net cash of $56 Um, So it's a self-funding rollout of new sites. It seems to be well managed. This is Hollywood Bowl. Now, management of Hollywood Bowl, you need to get some broker notes out to private investors. There's nothing available on ResearchTree. This is a small cap. So the people buying your shares generally at the moment are private investors. You need to get get information out to us. So if your broker says they won't publish their broker notes, their research, they're charging you to do the research, but they won't publish them to the people who need them. So sack them. Get a different broker in. You've got people like Singers, you've got Librem, you've got WH Ireland. Um, there's loads of others who do publish research on Research Tree. Those are the brokers who are, are private investor focused, and that's who small caps need to be um, using as their broker, I think. Because the institutions aren't buying at the moment, are they? So, um, a lot of them can't because they've got redemptions, and that's another issue that's worrying me. So, anyway, um, oh, Hollywood Bowl, a final point, it also gets a 5% dividend yield. And obviously, because it's got loads of cash in the in the bank, then its dividend-paying capacity is is quite considerable, I think. I don't know how the future will pan out. It's on a PE of about 9, I think, um, and it's almost certainly going to beat um, the existing broker consensus. So Hollywood Bowl looks very good, providing, of course, this boom in bowling uh, continues. And I think it's... Was it either this one or its competitor, 10 Entertainment? One of them said, look, this is an affordable value entertainment for couples or families to go bowling. It's it's cheap, you know, uh, it's a local thing. Um, You don't have to eat there, but you can... I think Libram said you can... A family of four can play two games of bowl bowls and all have burgers and chips and it's 60 quid well that's affordable and we're seeing with so many uh, consumer facing areas at the moment it's the things that are affordable treats that actually hold up well in recessions people tend to cut back on the the big ticket stuff um and um 
and 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 but still like to keep going with the affordable treats i think that's that's certainly the theory but it's bearing out i think in in a lot of the small caps that i'm looking at at the moment the value people with a value proposition product uh, companies are, are generally holding up very well better than big ticket items or um maybe mid-range products that are maybe not quite so affordable so that's hollywood bowl we like that one next you've got uh Oh, made made.com. This is the f- distressed furniture retailer online thing. Now, uh, the latest update on that, um, and I'm very bearish on this. I've said in the before before that we need to. I treat this as uninvestable uh, because it's running out of cash so fast and it's making gigantic losses that I think there's a really high percentage possibility, and it's only a possibility. It's not fact that this share uh, could go to zero. I think administration is probably the most likely outcome, as things stand at the moment. Um, they, the latest update from Made is that they've said they need between 45 and £70 million pounds to cover the next 18 months, um, and that's taking into account cost-cutting, I think. Now, I, I believe investors have already refused to stump up that money in a placing. They've said, uh, the company said, you know, an equity fundraise of that scale isn't possible, so they put the company up for sale. This is all known about. We've had this information for several months now. Um, now, there are num- the latest updates is that there are a number of interested parties. We don't know how many. Um, and they're basically uh, looking over the books. And then the next phase is imminent, actually, because this process has to be quick. Um, the next phase, around about now, actually, is that indicative proposals are being, being invited. And then a second phase with the, the sort of front runners who've, who've put forward indicative proposals, because they haven't got time to mess about. That's the thing with MADE. Now, I think that the clock is very much ticking on this one. So it's a complete lottery at the moment as to whether somebody will will bail out existing equity holders. I personally think that's extremely unlikely because if the equity holders have already said, look, we're not going to refinance this thing, then they're toast. Basically, anyone coming in will just say, right, I'll buy it out of administration for 10 or 15 million quid. Maybe more. I don't know. I mean, it is a good brand name and it's got several hundred million revenues and you know an acquirer might be able to 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 bolt it onto their existing operations but do they want all the baggage of the employment contracts and um i know they've got a a big showroom in in central london and you know it's often much easier to buy these things out of administration for peanuts um there's no bank uh, borrowings made as far as i'm aware so it would really be um, what what the supply the suppliers are the main creditors. And most of the remaining cash of about thirty million is actually customer deposits. So if you do buy anything from Made, make sure you put it on a credit card so that your money is protected, or you know, or not buy anything from them at all. Given that we know how financially distressed it is, so the clock is very much ticking on Made.com. Anyone buying the shares now is just a total gambler, and you're risking a complete wipeout. There is a chance, and it's a high risk of a, a high probability of a wipeout there is a chance somebody might come in and you know buy it as a going concern but i think that is in the current circumstances where furniture retailers are seeing a significant downturn in business i think i would say that's looking pretty unlikely although there was press chat about a possible you know private equity venture capital type buyers who, who've still got plenty of cash, I believe, maybe taking a punt on it. But given that it's basically already proven that the business model doesn't work, 
why the hell would anybody think they can make it work a second time? So, yeah, made.com, sorry, very, very negative. Risk-reward looks terrible to me. But, you know, you could get lucky. Now, Jules, um, also financially distressed, a former holding of mine that just, you know, has gone completely wrong, unfortunately. The management have really, really screwed up here. But anyway, we are where we are. Now, they're also, they've also put out an update saying the turnaround plan is progressing well. Um... There's a possible equity raise being considered, which we already knew. The latest thing is they're saying they're also considering a possible CVA. Now, CVAs are, it's a form of, a mild form of insolvency restructuring for people not familiar with it. Now, it's actually the mildest form of of, uh, insolvency and can actually, it actually can um, uh, protect the existing equity. So it's not necessarily by any means, an equity wipeout. In fact, it's usually not an equity wipeout, I believe. I've seen several of these things done. There was a spate of CVAs a few years ago, mainly in the retail sector. Uh, and it's unfortunately, it's usually a precursor to full insolvency a, a year or two later. But anyway, um, it's a good way of ditching onerous property leases. But you have to pay uh, the landlords and, the, and, the, and sometimes the trade creditors, you know, X pence in the pound, to, for them to agree to release the company from the, 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 the contractual liabilities. But, of course, somebody's got to fund that. So somebody has to come up with the CVA funding, and that has to be shareholders. Um, I don't know how much a CVA would cost at Jules. And they do say they haven't decided that they, whether or not they actually need to do one or not. I would imagine some sort of rescue bid at Jules by the founder, who's still the largest shareholder and who banked a a significant amount of cash selling shares not that long ago um, is probably the most likely outcome there but personally I'm I'm sitting on the sidelines I just don't want any insolvency potential insolvency risk in my portfolio right now I've taken enough hits on things over um, over the last um, year that I really don't want to have any uh, further hits I mean, I'm currently 43% down year-to-date, which is bloody awful. But it's because my sector specialism is consumer-facing stuff, unfortunately. You know, um, so, uh, yeah, that's just the way... The way I didn't foresee that consumer shares would really... And e-commerce in particular would collapse to anything like this extent. But they have done. So we have to deal with whatever, whatever the situation is. And, of course, the 90% fallers of today this last year within that there'll be some multi-baggers of the future it's just (laughs) the difficult bit is finding which ones will be and which ones won't anyway oh god i'm rambling on far too much i'm still on monday right graham looked at ramsden's and lend invest on monday oh and uh cortex now both graham cortex uh we like the company we like the management um it's in line with trading this is a tele telematics company that's expanding internationally but neither graham nor i can fathom why the valuation is still so high um so like the company don't like the valuation on cortex now a couple of reader comments we've got i'm really enjoying mostly uh, nearly all of the readers comments at the moment there's a the odd one who's having a bad day and likes to take a pot shot at me we're not AD, advfn so please don't do that it's not appropriate on stockopedia but anyway <coughs> the vast majority of people are lovely now simoan uh, made a useful point on Monday, flagging that Hollywood Bowl, the share count has gone up 14% over the last couple of years. So when you're looking at the chart, you need to remember that there are now 14% more shares in issue. That's a great point. I normally flag that up myself, 
but I forgot in that case. So Simone spotted that. So thank you, Simone. And if you, um, we love it when readers post. Uh, additional points that maybe we haven't covered in the main report. So thank you very much for that. Now, Bertendel Trude flagged um, director buying in Victoria Plumbing, VIC. Again, we love it when readers flag uh, significant size director buys because a lot of people do take that as a signal that, uh, you know, if management are optimistic... um, then it, that 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 can uh, that can show signs of confidence, but there are also negatives on director buying. It can be orchestrated. It can be just done for show for PR reasons. So and and you know you can look back and see plenty of big director buyers. Funnily enough, at Victoria Plumbing, directors were were buying millions of pounds with uh, a double the current price not that long ago. So you know they don't necessarily know. Uh, what the shares are worth, so I wouldn't blindly follow director buying. But generally, it's a more it's it's more positive than negative, isn't it? And finally, John too um, pointed out that Luceco L U C E uh, had shot up fifteen percent on Monday and wondered why. One of the readers pointed out that it was tipped in small company share watch, um, and. That got me onto the. Um, so it's great when readers are helping each other out with information like that. I would say generally at the moment, well, actually most of the time, it's not a good idea to buy on tips. I I hardly ever buy on tips because the trouble is it causes a a spike up and often the people buying have got a very short attention span. They're often novice investors who uh, just like the sound of something, buy five or ten grand's worth maybe, and then, you know, the price drifts down again and when they're 15 or 20% down a few weeks later, they sell it and move on to the next tip. And that's, you know, not a good way of investing. Um, so, uh, no, uh, the readers discussed uh, small company share watch. And uh, one, one, one reader said, oh, their performance in the last year has been terrible. Well, of course it has. Everyone in small caps has had a terrible year. The market's pl- pl- plummeted. But I think the small company share watch, to be fair to the guy writing it, I think he's insightful, he's intelligent, he's experienced, and he's got a good long-term track record. If you look back, their previous portfolios have done remarkably well over the long term, but obviously short term, everyone's having a tough time. Um, I think it's small company share watch is good for share ideas. Um, I do subscribe, as I say myself, but it does tend to cause spikes in share prices. And particularly currently in a bear market, I wouldn't, definitely wouldn't be buying on any spikes from something being tipped. It's more of a selling opportunity than a buying opportunity, I think. Okay, that's Monday. My internet connection's gone down, so I don't know if I'll, I might have to leave this and come back to it later. So finally on Monday, we looked at everything on our list that we wanted to look at, actually. Um, Apart from the only thing we didn't cover was... Ashted Technologies. Right, moving on to Tuesday. I've really got to speed up here. Graham looked at IOMART, IOM, profit warning, uh, Reach RCH, which has been an incredible roller coaster. That one, the uh, publisher of the Mirror, uh, a very interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, who knows what's going to happen there? And you've got that gigantic pension fund issue. I'm very nervous about pension funds, actually. I know people are correctly saying that the liabilities will have fallen enormously because bond yields have gone up, but the asset values have also fallen enormously. This is the trouble, isn't it? Um, you know, uh, because the bond, you know, the mark-to-market on their bond holdings and uh, equities are a smaller portion of pension funds these days, aren't they, will have dropped very considerably. So there's been massive um, losses in asset values in pensions, 
I'm wor- and, and all this LDI business about these derivatives that they've they've taken out. It really worries me. Also on pension funds, there was another thing in the papers saying that the government is cons- or regulators, I don't know, is considering considering bringing in tougher rules on uh, funding for pension funds, which uh, could result which could result in in companies having to accelerate. Um, the over the deficit recovery payments. So I, I'm I'm nervous about any company with a pension fund at the moment. There's just too many unknowns for me. Uh, it could turn out really positively, or it could turn out really negatively. That's the problem. I think we've got a very very wide range of possible outcomes with with pension schemes. And of course, you know, if we go into recession and interest rates come back down again, then the then the, then the liabilities of the pension fund would go back up again. So it's it's. I think it's too risky to get involved with companies with with massive pension schemes. Oh, Graham also looked at SureServe. Now, turning to my reports on Tuesday, I reviewed the accounts of Beaks Financial Cloud, BKS. This is one of my top personal long-term holdings. I really like the potential here. We've had a really good bull bear back and forth um, in the reader comments this week on Beaks, which is great. That's exactly what we want. We don't want groupthink. We don't want a set house view. We want debate. We want discussions. And I think we've kept it courteous and the discussion's been great. The bull case is basically is growing like organically incredibly fast. 57% uh, revenue growth for uh, financial year 622. And these are nearly all recurring revenues as well. High quality, sticky recurring revenues, which the market tend to to very much favour for obvious reasons. Um, Now, the sales pipeline is obviously bulging with some really pretty advanced uh, uh, opportunities in there, and I think it's really at a, at, at a tipping point where the growth has gone almost exponential, and I think this could be very exciting. The balance sheet's strong; it did a 15 million pound cash raise, which is it's got ample cash now, and um, you know the 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 forecasts for the current year look very modest. They've already got over 20 million revenues in the bag contracted, and the forecast is 25. So, and there's another what eight months, nine months. For, for the year to run so it's pretty obvious they're going to beat forecasts and reading between the lines from man- management webinar which was on investor meet company which you should definitely look at if you're interested in this share i thought it was very very good um i did an interview with them as well but i'll come on to that in a minute so yeah i like beaks but i think 92 million market cap is probably about right for where it is right now i'm not saying it's cheap I think it's probably priced about right. The bears, what they're basically saying is, oh, it'll need to raise more cash. I don't think there's any evidence for that at all, but some people seem to have come up with that idea. And management specifically say they don't plan to do that. Uh, unless they want some sort of monster contract. I mean, they talk about mega deals in the pipeline with the world's largest 10 exchanges, and they've already, they've already got the biggest uh, in the bag with a company called ICE. ICE, which owns the New York Stock Exchange, um, Beaks announced a contract with them not that long ago. That really is, I mean, probably the best reference site you can get. Um, so, uh, and and a lot of the big contracts start off relatively small and then scale up. So, I think I think Beaks is very very exciting. But I, I also um, listen to to the more bearish people. Somebody else said that they thought the return on capital wasn't great and so on. Uh, they're probably right, you know, um, because it's a growth company. It's not. Um, it's not a mature business, and when it is mature, it's probably going to be five times or more the current revenues. So, 
I think it's probably the most interesting small cap growth stock that I've seen. Uh, Interseed, IGP, I don't currently hold Interseed. Um, I like the company, though, and I like the management. Um, and the share price has really perked up recently. It's made a tiny acquisition of something called Orthologics uh, to buy the IP primarily, um, which looks a really interesting deal, actually. And Klaas van der Lees, the, uh, the, the CEO there, I think is, is, is a class act. Ha ha. I, I like him. I think he's very good. I think he's turned the company around very nicely into see this is IGP. So, yeah, that's one to watch. I think at some point I might buy back in there. I, I was more or less forced to sell a lot of my stocks. I've told you this before because I had them all in a SpreadX account, which was multiplying the losses four or five times with the gearing. So I reduced all the positions drastically. But I've now just decided I'm, I don't want the daily losses. So I've just pretty much cut everything and I'll uh, I'll go back in. Um, you know, when things are a bit more settled. But I don't really want to be using gearing at all. I think it's time for me to renounce gearing. I've met, again, I'm, this is repetition. Now, I did look at Quiz as well a couple of days late, Q-U-I-Z. I used to hold about 2% of the company, but again, it was in the SpreadX account, so unfortunately, it, it gradually, uh, I had to whittle it away and in, in the end, get rid of it, which is such a pity, because, I mean, this is an incredible value share. You know, if you can cope with the lack of liquidity and the, the, just, just nobody's interested in it. But looking at the most recent trading update, it really does look incredibly cheap. Most of the market cap is now backed by net cash, so it's got a strong balance sheet. This is the, the affordable, glamorous ladies' wear clothing for sort of special events and so on. Um, uh, it's got a good online offering, which is growing. Very high gross margins at Quiz. They've also got stores that were all restructured onto turnover rents, so the stores make money. Uh, and the broker forecasts are going up. I mean, I've said in the report it looks stunningly cheap to me. I don't usually use language like stunningly cheap, but nobody's interested. And every time buyers go in and the price goes up 10 or 15%, people just sell into it. So I'm not saying that anything will happen with the shares short term, but I think medium term, you know, this should do, really should do well. Uh, but as, not 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 one for traders though. Nothing's for traders really at the moment, is it? Well, it is if you just buy and sell the spikes. But again, medium term on fundamentals, quiz looks really good. We had some really nice reader comments as well. John Doe two three seven eight basically just put up a, a short message. That said that he's feeling really down and downbeat at the moment, with daily losses on his on his shares. And, you know, he was asking, what should I do and what's, what strategy should I be following? He says it's his first experience of a bear market and had some lovely replies from readers. Boone and Tommy H uh, replied to that post and just gave some of their own perspectives. And I do think this is important. Um, we're not, you know, we're not giving each other advice as such, but I think sharing experiences, showing a bit of moral support for each other in a tough market is uh, is really nice. And we're, we're lucky to have uh, a terrific uh, little community on Stockopedia. So thanks to everyone who gives each other a bit of encouragement and support. You know, we're all in this in this together right now. And, um, you know, we'll get through it. But bear markets don't last forever. And we'll make, we'll make the money back again in the next bull market. Yeah, I should add that the reader comments on Tuesday's uh, Small Cap Value report were really outstanding. There are at least four other companies mentioned there, all of which I think look very interesting, that we, Graham and I just didn't have time to, to report on because it was such a busy day on Tuesday. So do have a look at the Tuesday's 
uh, uh, Stockopedia report comments. They're well worth reading. And thank you to every everybody who contributed. There isn't really time to name check everyone, but yeah, all great. Thank you. Looking at Tuesday's agenda, there were several. It was a massive day for results announcements. Um, things we didn't cover. Graham was going to look at Argo blockchain, but we both think that's a pile of junk and always have done. So forget that one. I think. F.W. Thorpe put out inline final results. I did have a very quick look at that, but didn't write about it. It's just too expensive. Nice company, but too expensive. Now, Smart Space uh, put out a trading update, which I think was in line, but we didn't get a billings ahead, possibly. Um, I'm not sure about that company. It's OK. I, there is a bull case for it, but I don't know. Now, SCS, the Sofas company, I didn't get around to looking at, but I looked at, looked at it on Friday. So look at Friday's report if you're interested. And then at RWA, that's one of the staffing companies we like, along with STEM, S3. Uh, it put out a Q3 trading update, which was in line. Uh, we didn't get around to looking at it. Sorry about that, but it's a good company. Mark's Electrical, I do want to come back and look at that. I think that's MRK, a trading update. I like that stock. I think it's interesting. So I'll try and cover that uh, next week. VP, the equipment hire thing, put out an inline trading update, and XP Power put out a Q3 trading update inline. It's quite striking, isn't it? How many companies are putting out inline updates? I know, uh, I think it was CamTab, one of our readers, who pointed out that the results we're getting now are for a previous time when you know the economy was actually generally okay. Uh, but that things are likely to get worse. I do think that's true, but also. <coughs> the number of profit warnings at the moment is surprisingly low, I think. And, of course, profit warnings is mainly on based on current trading. So, which does make me wonder that if they can patch things up on the financial markets and with the uh, political side of things, maybe the economy is not going to be quite as bad as the markets seem to think um, when you look at share prices. I don't know. I don't know. We, no, nobody knows. But uh, it is striking how many inline and even a few ahead of update trading updates we're getting at the moment, which it does seem out of kilter. Moving on to Wednesday then, Graham wrote a really interesting report on Hostel World, uh, HSW. I think that's fascinating. I looked at it myself earlier in the year. They're a very interesting bull, but also bear points on that one. So that's a, a, a really interesting one to have a look at, Hostel World, on Wednesday's report. He also looked at Kin and Carter, KCT. Again, I don't want to speak for Graham, but I looked at it myself as well, and I think we both agree that the accounts are just just have a ridiculous level of adjustments in them, and um, for that reason, uh, we're not prepared to value it on the underlying adjusted profit measures. Right on Wednesday, two companies reported that I was tempted to make mystery shares, but I just think maybe not at this stage. Uh, Sanderson Design. Uh, SDG. This is the uh, upmarket wallpaper and fabric, fab, fabrics group. I've, I've been tremendously impressed with the turnaround there under Lisa Montague. And the interim results it put out are, are, are very good, surprisingly good, up on last year. 
And they've confirmed they now think they're going to be uh, performing in line with full year expectations. I think it's a January year end, so that'd be January 2023. Although they do caution that the peak selling period has just started and they, you know, uh, October, November, they can't, uh, that's very important to the full year. So they've, they've quite correctly sounded a, a note of caution on that. Uh, I love the balance sheet at Sanderson. It's really, really good. No solvency or dilution risk. It's a modest PE, which I think already factors in uh, a possible downturn. Um, obviously, the short-term risk with uh, demand for luxury goods. Although, I do think with you know this is quite high-end stuff, the Sanderson stuff. So I think it's not what your average uh, person moving house would be buying. It's probably people who... You, you know, have, have 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 not really seen that much change to their financial position. Um, I think long-term holders of Sanderson Design Group should, should be fine. Short-term, I don't know what's going to happen, obviously. Now, I should say, I'm very pleased to say, uh, Lisa Montague has agreed to uh, let me interview her. So I'm really looking forward to that. That's going to be Monday, this coming Monday. That'll be up on my podcast channel, and there'll be a link in the Small Cap Valley Reports. Um, so I'm going to be spending some time tomorrow uh, um, getting my research up to speed and I'm really looking forward to to speaking to Lisa, CEO of Sanderson Design Group, tomorrow, uh, no, Monday. Now, Angling Direct, ANG, this is another interesting one that almost became a mystery share, but I'm, I'm still a bit undecided on this. Basically, the cash pile is the key appeal to this business, to the share. It's now 80, 80% of the market cap. So you're almost getting the actual business for free, but the trouble is they keep they've warned on profits several times, and it's really now barely trading above break even. Um, so I don't know. Uh, this is the you know fishing gear, and they sell through shops and through the internet. They're expanding in Europe. I just I can't decide on this, but the, you know. The, but, but the interesting thing is the shares dropped a bit on the profit warning, but then came back up again. So I. I'm starting to think the share price is probably at or near the bottom now, almost irrespective of, 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 of trading. So I'm tempted to buy a few Angling Direct, I must admit. But uh, it's, it joins Victoria Plumbing as one of the bombed-out e-commerce shares that I think are now so cheap and so well-financed that, you know, uh, dipping dipping our toes in maybe with these could 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 be fine in the long run, I think. You know, um, I'm not interested in taking on any e-commerce shares where they've got wobbly finances. I think this is the time to, to buy the cash-rich ones, possibly. Uh, I mean, I li- I'm not giving any advice here. This is just me thinking out loud about what I want to do. I like the idea of splitting into into three. One of my friends does this. He, if he's not 100% sure about something, he just buys a third of a full position size, waits to see what happens, and then maybe... Um, buys uh, an- another third once he's built up a bit more confidence in it and, and so on and I think that's a good way of doing things. The only thing we missed on first on Wednesday that was on our list was through Vision 34 million market cap trading update but I'm not really interested in that one. Right Thursday I found a mystery share. Yes this these are the uh, shares that I only want to uh, really uh, give to Stockopedia subscribers because it's my best idea of the week basically. So see Thursday's report for that and just so there's no confusion I flagged up in the summary section on Thursday's report that this was uh, going to be my mystery share for the weekend podcast. So um, have a look at Thursday's report for that one. 
Now, what a crazy day Thursday was. I did two, as well as writing the report with Graham, I did two CEO interviews, which take a lot of time to prepare for, I have to say. And it's funny, isn't it? They are nerve-wracking to do, even though I enjoy doing them. Uh, and I, it's a bit like these podcasts. You're a bit nervous when you start, but after about five minutes, you forget you're even recording it, and it's just like having a chat. Um, so, yeah, I interviewed... Who did I interview? Uh, oh, XP Factory, XPF. Now, this is speculative, and I do have a personal position in it, but um, it's a really rapid rollout of experiential bars and escape rooms under the Escape Hunt brand. That was the original listing, and it didn't really go anywhere uh, much for a few years. But um, it's actually become, I think, it's expanded considerably now, and it's uh, the, the economics of the individual sites are now very good. And uh, Richard Harpen, the CEO, uh, comes across very, very well, I think. He's what I like in this sector, just a hands-on entrepreneur, an operator who's experienced in the sector. He, I think his background included um, being uh, oh, some quite senior role at, at Pret, Pret-a-Manger. And um, he knows his stuff, and I think he comes across very well in the interview. Now, also look at Vox Markets, who coincidentally did a video interview with XP Factory the day before my interview. Now, obviously, I wouldn't have done an interview if I'd known that Vox were doing one the day before, but I, it was just a coincidence. I didn't know that that was, was happening. So, um, And I'm happy to promote good content. I don't care who it comes from. So Vox Market's content on that was, was really, really good, really interesting. Obviously, the things were a bit more promotional, whereas I don't know if they charge or not. I would imagine that they possibly do. I, do, I don't charge for my interviews because I like to be independent. And uh, uh, also, that way, I can ask a few more difficult questions, I think. Although I think, you know, you need to keep the tone of interviews fairly friendly and, and let the company talk about the bull case. And then, um, otherwise, they won't want to do them, will they? But then if you come back with some politely worded but more searching questions near the end, it gives them a chance to... Um, Clear, to respond and to clear up any misunderstandings. So, you know, I think um, I think my format is is pretty good on this. I hope people like them. So, I would definitely see my in, my audio interview with XP Factory in conjunction with the video uh, from Vox Markets with the with Richard Harper at, at XP Factory because I deliberately tried to try to avoid too much overlap and ask some different questions. Um, and, yeah, I think it's great what they're doing. They're rolling out Boom Battle Bars, this additional format that they acquired last November. They financed the business at 30p, and you could buy them at around 15 or 16p last week. They, they were even lower a few weeks earlier, down as low as about 12p, which was a bit bonkers, I thought, really. Um, uh, but it's actually shot up. It's gone up to about 19.5p. As I say, I think Vox has a much, much bigger mar- uh, audience than I do. So I think it's probably people buying on, 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 on that really impressive video interview with Vox Markets. Maybe some of them... I don't think my readers would normally buy this type of thing. It's too speculative. So I, I'm, I, I didn't really like it when somebody said, oh, you've moved the share price up, Paul, with your video interview. People must have liked it. I hate that sort of thing because we're not tipsters. We're not just saying, oh, mindlessly buy this because we think it's good. I, I hate all that. So, um, uh, but anyway, it is what it is. And the share price has risen nicely. Just to, to clarify, I don't 
sell my shares after uh, giving positive views on them. I think that's dishonest. So it's just not something I do. So if I comment positively on something, I'll be holding it long term. And that's the case with uh, with XP Factory. I think it looks very, very interesting. It should at least get back up to about 30p, I think, if the bars continue trading well. At the moment, we only have the CEO's word for that. Yeah, obviously, this is the issue. Um, it hasn't. I've got no reason to disbelieve him, but um, it doesn't come through in the numbers. Obviously, when it's essentially a startup, uh, the interim figures were largely irrelevant, really, because uh, they've opened a, a, an absolute deluge of new sites this year. It's incredible how fast they're doing it, and a, a lot. Of, some of them are, are run by franchisees. Um, which means that you can do a really, really rapid rollout, and the franchisees pay 10% of revenues, which is a fantastic deal for for uh, XP Factory, I think, because you've got none of the risk of running the site, all the downturn on it, and you get 10% of revenues regardless uh, for providing ser- good services, it has to be said, like group buying of food and drink saves the franchisee money. Uh, marketing support, website, you know, they get a fair bit for their money, but I think this is a really good business model, XP Factory. So I like that one. Oh, I did some macro thoughts in Thursday's report, which was really intended to replace the previous week's podcast, where I didn't get round to doing a part two on macro, because there was just so much uh, to talk about. I thought I need to actually write this down. And so I did a little summary of where I see current macro and markets uh, it's more recapping on facts and figures than, but I also give my opinion on things for what it's worth. And as I say, I'm not uh, uh, an economics or uh, uh, macro expert. I'm a generalist, but I do have a very, very wide network of experts that I tap on really, and I pull in um, the best ideas from them, from people with proven track records and people who are self-made multimillionaires. So I tend to find, usually, uh, get a lot of things right. <laughs> or they wouldn't be uh, self-made multimillionaires, would they? Well, unless they're crooks, and I don't have any crooks in my network. I only talk to people that I like and who are honest. Graham looked at Norcross and XR, the bathroom fittings thing, uh, with, obviously, South Africa risk and pension scheme risk. Um but I think he uh, he thought that looked quite interesting at the current valuation, so that's worth a look. I've always liked Norcross, but it's permanently super cheap because of those two uh, issues I just mentioned. And then he also looked at Rank, which is, uh, again, quite an interesting situation. Will anyone want to invest in casinos right now, though? Probably not. And then Treat was the other one he looked at, TET, which is a very interesting company. So lots and lots of interesting stuff in Thursday's report, I think. Right, Friday I revisited Beaks, BKS, uh, I hold personally, and um, as mentioned, I hold XP Factory personally as well. Uh, now, I typed up a summary of my CEO uh, audio cast, because I appreciate not a, a lot of people like listening to the podcast format um, when coming into work and so on, and uh, I love podcasts myself as well, but not everyone does, I understand that, and obviously, of course, we have to think about our hard of hearing listeners as well, who can't, uh, readers who, who, who prefer a written format. So for that reason, I typed up a, a summary of my interview with Beaks, which is in Friday's Small Cap Valley report. Um, normally doing transcripts is a nightmare. It takes you about, oh God, it just takes hours. A half hour audio to type up the transcript would take you probably three hours. I tried outsourcing it to secretaries and things and paying to have it done. But the trouble is then I have to spend about an hour editing it all and correcting all the errors. So 
But actually, I found immediately after the interview with Beaks, I sat down with my headphones on, listened to the audio back again without pausing it, and just typed up the the, the key points in in bullet point format. And that worked great. I could do that without... So I'm going to do that going forward. I'm going to do a written summary. And Stockopedia wanted me to do that as well. They said, look, if you do these podcasts interviews would you mind typing up a a written summary as well i think the reader the subscribers would like that so i've done that on friday see friday's report for a quick summary of my interview with beaks i won't go into all the detail but there's some interesting points that came out of it that i think have resolved some of the uh misunderstandings um particularly over share options which i got to the bottom of Happy to do that. I also looked at loungers, LGRS. This is an expanding chain of now just over 200 um, sort of very nice um, bar restaurants with... uh, uh, They're like a nice version of Weatherspoons, I would say. (laughs) But, well, no, that's... Well, in terms of being community pubs, but more mid-level, much nicer decoration nicer clientele i know people will hate me for saying that but it's it's true uh and you obviously pay more and they've got a nice food offering it's just a good format and they're very very good operators lounges are lgrs uh so uh and now the figures were good it was a, a positive trading update although i did identify that they glossed over the fact that their like for likes were significantly down on last year they 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 hid that by um, showing the light for likes against, against pre-pandemic. But I went back to last year and found that the same measure was a lot higher than it is this year. So that was a bit of a, um, a, uh, a naughty thing there, I think, to try and obscure that. Even though we know last year's figures were, were, were boosted by one-offs and particularly the VAT reduction last year. But it's better to just be open. Just tell people the, tr- the unvarnished truth and then explain why there are any uh, 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 negative factors, rather than trying to hide it. Uh, now, interestingly enough, Loungers said it's not seen any downturn in trading so far, and it puts that down to the fact that they're, they're mainly local bars, and they're benefiting from the work-from-home trend, which is maybe reducing somewhat, but there are still plenty of people working from home, which you can see if you go into London on a Friday. You know, it's quiet, really quiet. Uh, compared with Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, now, the, only, the main drawback I've got with loungers, the shares are just ridiculously expensive, I think. You know, considering where we are in a, in a, with a consumer downturn apparently beginning to happen and potentially could get really bad, maybe a recession or even a depression, why on earth loungers is trading, you know, on a PE in the 20s? I absolutely do not know. And the forecasts are for profits to fall substantially from last year's bumper level uh, so i don't i don't understand the valuation of loungers lovely business but it's just far too expensive we got an update from revolution beauty uh that's still suspended bob holt is coming in which some of you might remember from mears group and uh, uh, i think he's generally got a good impression as a turnaround specialist i did ask, i can't really remember much about him but i know his name well from uh, oh, sorry, I think he's an OBE. I should mention that as well. Good for him. Um, so he must have done something good, mustn't he, presumably? So, um, yeah, I think we'll keep an eye on Revolution Beauty. I don't have the f- the, any facts and figures to enable me to value it, so I'm just neutral on it. We can't we can't work out what's going to happen. But we're keeping a watching brief on it, and it'll be interesting to see if it comes back from uh, from suspension or not. 
Then Wandisco, W-A-N-D, I flagged this again, absolutely not a value share, complete opposite of what we normally cover. But the Q3 update and several updates earlier this year show real big momentum in contract wins. I mean, it's still massively loss-making, but it says it's got enough cash. I just think something interesting is happening there. Is it all hype, or is it partially hype, or is it the next big thing? You decide. I don't know because I'm not a I'm not a tech expert, but I'm just flagging that the some you know it's reached and it's clearly reached an inflection point on big contract win wins. So I think that's noteworthy, and it's up to you to do any research on it if you want. Finally, I looked at SCS, the sofas thing on Friday. Uh, results are out, remarkably good results, ahead of expectations. Looks stunningly cheap on the July 22 numbers, but of course. It's the Outlook comments that matter right now, isn't it? SCS, it's, it's well, it's not big ticket items, actually. I saw a TV, it's, so, it's furniture, it's particularly sofas. I saw that a TV ad for them last night, and the, the prices are incredibly cheap. You know, quite nice-looking sofas for 299 or 399 and you can get um, interest-free credit over four years with no payments at all in the first year. So I think they've got a very good customer offer and I think this one might do better than people fear but the trouble is the order intake has fallen heavily in the first 10 weeks of the year and brokers have reflected that in uh, they're expecting a halving of profit in the current year I wouldn't be surprised if profits drop right down maybe even to break even this year but even then this share is still dirt cheap so I think the share price on SCS is really overshot on the downside uh, it's got more cash in the bank than its market cap, substantially more. Now, there are two views in this. I'm not going to go into it. We've discussed it loads of times before. But um, I think it's extremely good value, SCS. If you can cope with the fact that there might well be more bad news, the share price might go nowhere, might go down over the next year. But I think with a two-, three-year view, it'll definitely still be in business whilst competitors uh, are going under. Um, and I think uh, I think that could be a nice little share to just tuck away and forget. So I'm tempted to buy back on SCS. I think it's really good. Right, we've run out of time. Got to go. Thanks for listening. Bye. No, that's not right. Bye. <laughs> I'll switch it off.